to say yes sir and then the bible goes on to say eh hey, hey, if you are obedient you are calling the bible alaba shake bredo sokolo hey hallelujah ah no let's do this thing give me first peter chapter 3 i feel the anointing to teach this thing the light if the light goes on it's not enough it's not enough for the light to go on the bible says the light shines No, my life will not just go on. It's not enough that you clear. You have to be excellent. Your life, no, 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 it's, it's not enough that you feel perfect. And he has put all things under his side, under his side, at arm's length. Where has he put them? Somebody shout it under my subject of names the, the great benediction or just the benediction itself and um the word benediction actually just means the blessing or the the blessing that you invoke a priestly blessing invoked let's say at the end of a service you know like mainly it's the grace of the lord jesus the love of the father and the fellowship of the holy spirit and it comes from the book of second corinthians chapter number 13 and reduce my volume a little um verse 11 which reads finally i'm going to begin from there <clears throat> finally brethren farewell become complete be of good comfort be of one mind live in peace and the god of love and peace will be with you greet one another with a holy kiss don't do it here eh? <laughs> this was cultural where they are it's it's a normal greeting You no know, they I think they do that also in in Spain eh? where else why even even men they kiss each other for them it's normal you no know? manje here if a man comes to so it's cultural uh don't take advantage of the scripture and follow the person who your heart has been leading you to and mislead yourself all right i just thought i clarify that but <laughs> you just never know okay so for you you can greet each other with a holy handshake and the church said amen all right all the saints greet you then he closes by saying the grace of the lord jesus the love of god the father that is and the communion or the fellowship of the holy spirit be with you all amen so normally um the the godhead next week i'm going to get into detail into the godhead if the lord allows me but the godhead is um is a very confounding reality because he is three and yet he is one he is one and yet he is three he manifests as three separate personalities who are not independent of the other because if you see one you'd have seen the other 
But when you see the one, he is not the other. So it's a beautiful confusion. <laughs> Wonderful paradox. That's just what you have to know. And um, that's what makes our faith superior because we cannot figure out our God. The moment you begin figuring out your God, then we will produce a formula for him and always solve him. But remember that even in heaven, God is a mystery. Because even there, they just know certain dimensions of him. Remember that? You know, when we go to heaven, one of the things we'll be doing is we'll be studying God. We'll be studying God. The Bible teaches us, I believe, in Ephesians chapter number 3, that the principalities are looking at us to learn about God. Now, in their own sphere of existence, there are things that they have seen that demonstrate God. But just when they thought they had seen enough, then they saw God create a human being out of dust. And then God, they saw God take of himself and put himself in the dust. So now, they've never seen that happen before. So the only way they will learn of that dimension of God, which is man-like, is by observing the man. In other words, there are angels who are watching you to learn about God. Meanwhile, you also ought to observe angels to learn about God. This is why we have the, the year of the supernatural. There are some things you will see and you will learn about God. But look at you, you are afraid. You start praying, an angel appears, go, go, in Jesus' name. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, God is naturally a mystery. But in the context of this scripture, it seems as if every personality of the Godhead has got their own feature that they are presented with. Grace is of the Lord Jesus. Love is of the Father, and fellowship is of the Spirit. So if you want to understand Jesus, he is marked by grace. This is why John said, in John chapter number one, John said some amazing things. He said, he said, John said, he said something. John said, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That means the coming of the Lord Jesus was a coming of a dispensation or a period of grace. Hallelujah. The coming of the Lord Jesus was the coming of a dispensation of grace. Now, this by no means doesn't mean that you can't say the grace of God the Father. Because remember, Jesus said to Philip, if you see me, you see the Father. That means God the Father can also grant you grace. The Spirit of God can make grace available. Why? Because they are not three persons. They are one person who is three, yet one, with three different manifestations, which have the same essence because they are one. They are co-equal. No one is lesser than the other. No one is inferior. Okay, next week we'll get into that detail. All right? So when you go on to read the Bible... Um, you discover amazing scriptures that talk about the grace of the Lord Jesus. Somebody say the grace of the Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus. So I will tell you some scriptures quickly, and then I'll, I'll get to the point. Today I want to teach you very important things. You see, the Bible says it is good for the heart to be established in grace. 
You need to know that it's the dispensation and the time that we live in is a time of the grace of God. So if you do not have a complete understanding of the grace of God, you may be living as an Old Testament individual in the New Testament uh, uh, dispensation. One of the most important things you must understand is grace. But remember also that the reason why the Lord is inspiring me to teach on grace this morning is because what the, Bible, uh, what the Lord told us this year is that this is the year of the supernatural. But I told you that it's the year of what? Great what? Because the Bible says, and great grace was upon them. And honestly, in this year, we've experienced great grace. It's not just grace we've experienced. We have experienced great grace. So for us to now fully walk into that grace, God wants us to have a good understanding of it. You see, there are, only th- there are some things that you can only experience better if you understand them. There are things that happen to you, but if you do not understand them, you cannot sustain the flow. Because sometimes God opens a small window. But if you do not understand, you say, oh, thank God this happened. This is why I was teaching you in the group that you need to have a certain level of spiritual intelligence. I was saying, if we have noticed that our numbers have increased, we need to study what made it possible for the numbers to increase. If, for example, I notice that the miracles I'm working have increased, I need to study what made it possible for the miracles to increase. If you notice, for some reason, that this time when you, st- you are getting better grades, you are relating better with your lecturers, don't just say, oh, how are today, how are today? You need to find out, what did I do correctly for me to consistently have this kind of favor with my lecturer? If you've got a certain level of grace suddenly from your bosses at work, don't just say, oh, today is a wonderful day. You need to find out what is it that made it possible. That's spiritual intelligence. But even in the physical, it can be used. You need to know, for example, if suddenly there's been a great grace, what necessitated that great grace? So that understanding gives you the capacity to sustain the flow. Because if you, understand, if, you just, if you say, just say, oh, thank God it happened, it may never happen again. But if you understand that the reason why this happened the way it happened is because I did A, B, and C, then it means you can go back and do A, B, and C and get the same results. This is why understanding is key. The Bible says, Get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. Even when it comes to relating with God, one thing you must have is understanding, the understanding of the ways of God. What makes God move a certain way in your life? What makes God favor you a certain kind of way? You must look for those things and know them. Because if you do, you now become a mystery. It means you can consistently press those buttons and consistently make God act the same way. That's why when it comes to some people in your environment, it looks like God is biased. How come they are consistently experiencing a certain level of grace and favor? It is because they harness the ways. They go to learn by practice, by observation, by being serious with their God and their lives. They go to learn that, mm-mm, what made this and that possible was because I found myself in this environment, was because I found myself praying at that time. You, you, you remember the testimony that, that, that she gave? She said, I know that the job was just the fruit of the blessing. I know that the real blessing came when I was prayed for. What if you are prayed for 
And three months later, that's when the good thing happens. Are you going to forget the prayer? No, 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 no. Don't say no. Many people forget. They, they can't even trace the date to which something happened in the spirit. They can't trace it. They will say, oh, thank God, thank God, but they will not know that it was that time six months ago when this and that happened. Listen, <laughs> some things follow people 200 years ago. Now, the things that are just happening within six months, you're forgetting. You can't sustain a flow you don't understand. Hallelujah. So, even when it comes to things like great grace, the understanding of the grace of God, we must have a very strong understanding. We shouldn't just say, oh, the grace of God was upon me. No, 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 no. Understand. Somebody say understand. understand. All right. What is grace? Before we ask, answer that question, um, Acts chapter 15, verse 11. We believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus, Christ, Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Romans 16, verse 20. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 23. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Galatians chapter number 6, verse 18. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Philippians chapter number 4, verse 23. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Oh, amen. Revelation chapter number 22, verse 21. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Oh, amen. There is a revelation these men had about the dimension that Jesus Christ carries, and it's called grace. When you receive the Lord Jesus in your life, there's got to be a certain level of grace you must begin experiencing. Because he is a giver of grace. It's not possible for you to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus and not experience grace. There has to be there because he inevitably comes with grace. Every person carries an atmosphere, and predominantly the Lord Jesus carries the atmosphere of grace. The Bible says, he who finds a good wife finds a good thing and obtains what? So me, I was observing, if after I married this girl, I'm not experiencing favor, I'm suing her. Because what the, what the Bible tells me is, the moment that I receive this woman in my life, then I must experience favor. And obviously, you've seen the results. You know, uh, I don't want to go into details. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, what I'm trying to say in English <laughs> is that every person carries their own atmosphere. No. Someone enters your life. They know the grace is living. She's not the one. <laughs> She's not the one. Heavens must begin smiling at you. Things that were hard for you should become easy because the Bible says obtains favor from the Lord. Suddenly wise men, suddenly wise men wanted to visit Joseph because the Bible says this woman is highly favored. 
Suddenly, he had enough money to sponsor a movement to Egypt. <laughs> he was just a carpenter. Carpenters don't have that amount of money. But God had to bring in a woman with a certain level of favor so that Joseph could be empowered to do certain things to protect the Lord Jesus. Marriage is a tag team. It must make you better, not drain you. Now you, you are pushing for that relationship to get into a marriage. The relationship itself is stressful. Just the relationship. What we are trying to say is the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So, what is grace? Number one, a lot of people have a very shallow understanding of grace. But you need to have a rounded understanding of it. God's unmerited favor, number one. Grace is God's unmerited favor. Number two, God's dispensation of his supply of his resources by Jesus. Number three, grace is God's divine resources enabling a man to function like God. God's divine resources enabling a man to function like God. Number four, grace is the invis invisible or immaterial resource behind an individual's success. The immaterial or invisible resources. They say behind the, every, every successful man, there's a woman, right? So what they are implying is that if you see a man looking good, if you see a man uh, prospering, if you see a man at peace, it's because there's a woman you may not see that woman because she may be working elsewhere or she may be at home. But then, when you see a man manifest a certain way, it tells you that there's a woman behind him. What kind of woman must you be then? Daughters of hope. Make sure you're a wife. You are a wife, not a knife. All right. Moving on. So in the same way, there are certain things that you know, let me tell you something. When it, when it comes to being a wife, it is something that you must prepare for. Because a wife is not a wife because she has said, I do, and they pronounce them husband and wife. The Bible says, he who finds a good wife finds a good thing. That tells you that a wife is a character of a woman before she's even married to the man. Now, if you are sitting here and you think, me, this thing for being a wife does not touch me, I don't want to marry, you need deliverance. <laughs> Either you need deliverance because it's spiritual. Either you need deliverance or maybe God has called you to be a missionary, to just be a celibate. But even that, you should not be liking boys because that's one sign. You don't sit there liking boys, crushing on them, desiring for them to text you. But if you have desires once in a while to be in close contact with a boy, but you say, me, I don't like marriage, it's a demon. <laughs> and all the men said, Amen. 
What I'm telling you is not just to attack you, it's the truth. So God turns your heart to become a wife. There are many things that you are going to be. You are going to be this great corporate lady. You are going to be this amazing businesswoman. You will be this amazing doctor woman. And you see, you may not even have to be those things in order to be those things. By the way you are preparing, you can find that you already fit the description. In the same way, you don't have to be a wife in order to carry the character of a wife. But your character as it is now spells the extent of your wifehood before you even get married. So you are dating someone, the way they just talk to you as a man. Ah, today I'm upset. Just know, just know in the marriage it will multiply. It doesn't work. It, listen. <laughs> don't say, don't say she will change. If the shoe doesn't fit at the shop, you see, you, you think suddenly your foot will grow to fit the shoe. Or that your foot, you, you think it will become small to fit the shoe. That's your food. If she can't wait to sleep with you, now she's always finding an opportunity of dark corners. What makes you think she will not do the same with a different man in the marriage? Because you see, when the Bible, ah, la grides, vadias, abadazas, You see, when the Bible says, <laughs> you see, when the Bible says, the marriage bed must be kept holy. It's not just talking to the married. It means even you must keep the marriage bed holy. Because there's one waiting for you. So the way that people who are not married disrespect the marriage bed is by fornication. I got into the married ones. I think it's clear. By the example, you can do the exercise. So all I'm trying to tell you is that things don't change. If it's, then there are some of you who say, I'll change him. Hi, hi. As Listen, listen. Let me tell you something. Let me give you brotherly advice. A lot of times when you say you're going to change someone, that's a good thing, okay? That's a good thing. So you, maybe you invite them to church. That's a, you, are, you are trying the best you can, maybe. Let's give you credit for that. But remember that they may be coming to church for you. They are here, they are irritated. When they look at everyone, the way everyone is opening their mouth and praying loudly, they are wondering, why can't these people pray in their heart? God hears in the heart. The pastor stands with his canoe suit. Look at these papas. They are upset. When you come, how was, 
When you go out, Roderick, <laughs> that's his name. <laughs> How was service? It was powerful, it was powerful. They are doing it to please you. You know what that's doing? You are their goddess. It's you they are following. It's you they are worshiping, not God. So suddenly, when you marry them, and they see your weaknesses, and that you're just a normal human being, they can't worship you anymore. So you say, let's go to church, babe. <laughs> Meanwhile, you are the one washing their clothes. No, but the suit is ready. Hey, I said I didn't wash. I'm the head of this house. Then all you hear at that point is... But you know, you young people, you insist because the heart wants what it wants. That's a proverb I've heard in this generation. Oh, you win a fair. Yo. Michi, gentle giant. So the point I make is this, that the grace of the Lord Jesus <laughs> is, the, is the invisible material resource behind an individual's success. That's the point I make. <laughs> Let's go, number, number, number five. Grace is the spiritual sponsorship because behind a person's physical success. Sometimes you see what people who believe God have accomplished within their short lifespan, and you say, it's not possible for a man to do this unless God is with him. It's a grace, meaning there's something sponsoring him. Sometimes you see people putting up posts, I'm at the University of Leeds, I'm at the University of uh, Oxford. Oh, I did this. And you're like, wow, if only my parents could afford this. What you don't know is that some UNICEF somewhere or some organization is sponsoring them. You are in the same boat except they are being sponsored. They couldn't afford as well. Something is pushing them. So they were able to go where only the elite could go, not because of their own pocket, but because there was a bigger organization. You may not see the organization on the Facebook posts, but there's a big organization, a wealthy organization, making it possible. Hallelujah. I decree and declare there's divine sponsorship coming upon you right now. That you will go places that people will think, we were just in the same class with that girl. But what they will not know is that there's divine sponsorship. I release divine sponsorship in the name of Jesus. Six, grace is God's capacity working in a person to accomplish God's assignment. What we do is not possible by our own strength. Somebody say, even I can preach, you will dry up. You dry up. We need, the Lord Jesus Christ said in Luke chapter number four, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach. Even this thing we do, don't just say, oh, Pastor Daniel, we, ah, that man is deep. He's, he himself is shallow. But there is a divine sponsorship which makes us able to accomplish God's work. You are not my people, you are God's people. I am just a messenger sent to bring you to the place God wants you to be. This is why when you listen to me, don't listen to me. Look for God in my voice. That's why they said in, in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, 
that when we came to you, you did not receive us as mere men. You did not receive our message as a message of an idea from mere men, but you received it as a message of God, which then now exercises its superhuman strength in you. The word of God I speak can begin exercising superhuman strength in you depending on how you receive it. Don't receive this word as my ideas. Every time you come here, you say, the Lord is about to speak to me a word. It's grace. We are sent. The Bible says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was born from his parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth, but he was sent by God. Just because you know where someone came from and where they were born doesn't mean they were not sent from God. You know how God sends people. Do you know Jesus was born from a woman here on this earth? He even had brothers and sisters. They were even saying he's mad. Why does he think he's some promised Messiah? One time the Lord showed me this. The Lord, they, they stood at a corner. It's, 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 it's beautiful. Sometimes God gives you these visions where you actually go into a Bible moment. And they were saying, he now, his relatives, they were saying, he now thinks he's a promised Messiah. They laughed. Mary, did you know your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know your baby boy would save your sons and daughters? Did you know your baby boy has come to let you know this child that you've delivered? We'll soon do. She didn't know. She just had good ideas, but that was her master. Some of you will give birth to children who will save you, who will take care of you. Don't abort. There are many reasons. It's not just taking away a life. A great destiny may just be stopped. Okay? All right, moving on. Oh, but it was a mistake. You are the mistake. Not the child. The sin was a mistake, not the child. God forgive you. Grace is God's capacity working in a person to accomplish God's assignment. Grace means, number seven, it is God working the whole time and merely cooperating. That's what grace is. It means God is working the whole time. I'm just cooperating. This is why this dispensation of grace, there must be miracles because it's all about God, God, and us cooperating. Grace is, uh, eight, grace is God's power to make a man like a God among men. Hmm. You know, uh, we are going to look at some very exciting things. I I'm excited about what we're about to look at, but let's just set the foundation. Hallelujah. Finally, grace is the observable and traceable hand of God in a man's life. When you look at someone, you can tell, mm -mm, 
This is the finger of God upon this girl's life. It's not possible. You shouldn't, your life should not just be full of ordinary things. But we'll look, there's, there's something very ordinary about grace that I'll show you. That it, it has to take being taught for you to see that dimension of grace. But the large part of grace is not ordinary. Hallelujah. What can grace do for you? I want us to look at what grace can do for you. Mm. Someone say what grace can do for Now, before we look at what grace can do for you, and, or we look at examples in the Bible of how grace, what grace did for people, what I want to, to tell you is this, that the grace of God is manifold. The grace of God comes in different ways. And I'm looking at the scriptures from the book of First Peter chapter 4, verse 10, which says, As every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10, amplified, puts it this way. Just as each, of, each one of you has received a special gift, look at this, a spiritual talent, an ability graciously given by God, employ it in serving one another, as is appropriate for good stewards of God's multifaceted grace, faithfully using the diverse, varied gifts and abilities granted to Christians by God's unmerited favor. Then, I like the next verse. It now begins to explain how grace can differ from one person to the other. You see, what the Spirit of God is saying, when we understand the multifaceted grace of God, we will come to a place where we are secure within ourselves. Because while singing may be beautiful, not everyone has been called to sing. Others have been called to back. And that is how the body works together to glorify God. Because one, while one may be given the capacity to preach the gospel, another one may be given the capacity to organize buses, all of them are graces given by God. And if you know what God has asked you to do, instead of envying another person, you'll be amazed at how God works in another person, whilst being comfortable and content with how God is working in your life. And then when you see that this is how God works in me, you will now work towards becoming the best version of yourself. Because if God made you an ear, he did not make you a mouth. What you have to do is sharpen your capacity to receive information. And if if God made you a mouth, what you should not do is now start wanting to walk like the leg. If you start trying to walk like the leg, you will damage yourself. What you need to do as a mouth is learn how to articulate the word of God properly. And that way, you will now tell the leg, come on, let's move and take the gospel somewhere where it's supposed to be. Hallelujah! That's what I said in other tongues. So the source of insecurity normally is not recognizing your security within. Because your security may be in your God-given grace. What is your God-given grace? What are the things you are well able to do? Some of you will find that it seems you easily have money to give. Now, because every time you want to talk, you stammer. You start feeling like, oh, I, mean, I don't feel what. You're always envying your friends who are able to talk articulately. No, what you do is, let me put money on what they are doing. Because that is your strength. That is your grace. When you do that, you now begin appreciating other people. 
If you do not learn what God wants you to do and become comfortable in those things, you begin envying your friends. You will never be comfortable with yourself. I wish I could be like that girl. I wish I could be like that guy. Why don't you wish you were like you? There's nothing wrong about being like you. Everybody else you are envying just became the best version of themselves. Hallelujah. So listen to this. Now, discussing the grace of God, he says, just as each one of you has received a special gift. Verse 11, he says, for example, that's the Passion Translation. If you have a speaking gift, that's a manifold grace. Some graces appear in form of speech. The way I talk, it is grace. It is grace. God gave it to me as his free gift. And this is why we don't boast, I'm deep. Hmm? I don't ask you when you speak. It is God working in us. The people even know. The people even know. That's why we don't make a big deal out of some of the things we say. One time, I saw a man get something I said, and they put it as their own word, word for word. I wanted to text them and just greet them, you know, just find out how they are doing. Because <laughs> that's some kind of plagiarism. Then the Spirit of God told me, but even you, you just heard it from me. Let's not stop people. It's, this is, these are not academics. These are spiritual things. Even the revelations we got, someone wrote from the Bible, then we got. We can't take credit for it. <clears throat> Hallelujah. He says, he says, if you have a gift of serving, it, it begins with speaking. He says, if you, if you have a speaking gift, this is powerful. He says, speak as though God were speaking his words through you. That means... The gifts or the grace that God has apportioned to you must grow to an extent that it becomes as if God was doing that thing. Whatever God asks you to do, you must grow to a place that it goes back to its original state. Because it came from God. Imagine if the Lord Jesus Christ was singing big on the inside. If Jesus was to sing that song, you would all suddenly feel big. You would all stand for, rise, prosper, because he sang it. Not so. Imagine if the Lord Jesus stood here to teach you. What would be happening is as you are receiving the words, you are receiving the power and the capacity to become the things he's talking about. As he's speaking, he is making you, the words are shaping you. You are, the Bible says of John, the Bible says of, uh, John says of Jesus, as he spake, his words were like a double-edged sword, and they cut into him. He couldn't stand, he fell. I want to reach that place because God has given me the capacity to speak. I am still growing in that grace. I want a, a, a place where when I begin speaking, you are seeing the things forming as I speak. Because the Bible says, whatever he called the things, the things became. The Bible says, let there be light and light came. When God was creating me, he took me from that dimension and he says, go and speak. He said, oh, Pastor Daniel is great. Wait! Even me, I'm still growing. I need to reach a place where as I speak, you are, <laughs> the Bible says, I will stand at the watch and see what he will say. That's what Abakuk was saying. Meaning as, Jesus, as God is speaking, his words are forming visions on your head. But, you know, you can still think I'm great. 
<laughs> it will help you receive. What did God ask you to do? Imagine if God called you to be a kingdom financer. You just gave a 2,000 quarter and you are drained. Now imagine if God is the one sponsoring projects. A time is coming where you will take a million from your coffers and it will not hurt. Oh, some of you just missed it. Let me do it again so I give you an opportunity. Some of you thought, did you say 1,000? No. I said a time is coming. When you remove a million from your coffers to push an agenda that is divine. And you won't go bankrupt. Somebody say, that's my word. word. Why? Because it is grace. God, God has begun to solidify in you. You've downloaded the dimension of God. That when it comes to singing, it's as if God was singing. You sing here and everyone is like, eh, oh, you are shining. Don't overdo. Even you, you are like, oh, no. Uh, we, we, the, 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 Lord is, uh, the Lord is good. Meanwhile, you are drinking the glory. No, it's, uh, it's by the grace of God. Tell your neighbor, it's <laughs> fear. I know at the press team, you are looking at one person or two. <laughs> but even you, imagine if God is backing you as you sing. Some of you are backing vocalists. But that's the Holy Spirit's specialization. The Bible says he's a helper. That's why you don't fail. So even you, let's look at you as a backing vocalist. Are you manifesting a dimension of God? Imagine if God was ushering. If an usher, if an usher, if an usher comes to hold you like this, the pastor has prayed for you, you are thinking, hey, the anointing is too much, let me fall into the hands of the usher. Zagide vagaduzes. Grace. Grace. Imagine if God sat here playing the best guitar. Now God is playing the best guitar. Amanuayo, kuchingola, winao, kwaisiyu. Winao, no, kafiwe institute. Iwo, yakweza kuskulu. There's a way you present himself. His spirit will be into it. One man was playing one time and a demon manifested from a king. Whatever God called you to do, it's grace. Because grace is everything in God that makes a man behave as if he was God. That's what grace is about. The good news is we can grow in that grace. It's manifold. It's many-sided. It's multifaceted. That means grace is not just preaching. Because some of you think the pastor is grace. You, what are you? You are also graced. You may have not just known that grace, but you are equally graced. That's why we are a body. Even hair has a purpose. It has a purpose. Why are you laughing? I feel judged in this church. I feel judged in this church. 
So what I'm trying to say is that grace, every part of the body has a purpose. Even if you, we took away your finger, your body would be incomplete. That means each of you comes from a dimension of God that in this lifetime you must express. It's called grace. Imagine if, okay, let's imagine for argument's sake, you are God's last, you are God's pinky. That pinky, when he just holds you and says, my sister, everything will be fine. Giddy, giddy. Because God's pinky is upon you. Hallelujah. <laughs> the pinky of the Lord. <laughs> there are some people who, when they just come and they just laugh, everything changes. You know, that one of the first things I notice about my wife, she has a sweet spirit. Some of us, when we're, we are always looking deep, so we look like <laughs> this depth even took away the hair. It's a joke. <laughs> so you find young someone to end the corner in dim with What I'm saying is, a person look like they've eaten lemons. For those who don't get bimba. Now, this girl comes in my life, and sometimes it's hard to get upset with my wife because she will laugh. And you are like, I'm serious. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's hard to pick a quarrel with my wife. Sometimes I'm just like, and you just find yourself laughing. Some of you need a, a woman like this, uh, ladies. I wanted to say something about lawyers, but no, it is well. Now, <laughs> hallelujah. She, when she just reaches, she'll just laugh and the atmosphere has changed. Even my mother noticed, that's one thing she said. That's my mother, she wants to hear my wife. Oh, that, all she does is laugh. Meanwhile, you, if all you, God gave you was the capacity to laugh, you feel you are so small. But doesn't the Bible, doesn't, doesn't the Bible says God laughs? It says, the enemies surround God's anointed, but the Lord laughs. Imagine if God comes here and he just laughs. You don't need comedians, those dirty ones. There are dirty comedians there in the world. The Holy Spirit can make you laugh. Many times the Holy Spirit makes me laugh. Why are you laughing? And you know you can't say it. You, there's no reason. The thing has just come on you. Just find yourself. <laughs> you know, and you're just going and going. <sighs> For no reason. The Spirit of God can make you laugh. It's one way to know that you are in sync with God. Remember what I told you last week. When you're just angry for no reason. There are just people that are just angry for no reason. You need to (laughs) 
Hallelujah. Grace, it's manifold. Don't look down on whatever the Lord has given you to do. Look at that. He says, he says, as if God, if you have the gift of serving, do it passionately with the strength God gives you. you see, there are some guys who, they just can't sit. Even if they tried, they have to look for something to pick. They can't explain it. They will just find themselves, oh, you are later finish your after, after he's done, he will start touching instruments. After he's done, he will... He just can't see. He just, there, are, there are thorns everywhere. For him, he just wants to do something. I need to stick to English. So, he just has to do something. And you find this guy never gets sick. <laughs> because there's something in him which says, you, you are awake, you can't get sick. So you find everyone here is tired. Him, you start arranging chairs. He's also tired, but you, ah, he will roll the... Miriam was that type. Miriam. Hey! Miriam would finish doing these things. I remember sometimes she would be, she'd be disconnecting instruments. She would be disconnecting instruments. Then I'm praying for someone. The person is about to fall. She would quickly come and usher. Then she would finish ushering. Afterwards, she would begin. Now, I'm not just saying this because she's gone. But it's something we also should begin rolling the carpets. You would notice on... Some of you didn't even like it because there was COVID. During COVID, the ladies would be going down. She'd be giving them their, her hand. How many remember that? Yeah. She'd be giving that. And I was laughing because some of you were uncomfortable, but she was just like, <laughs> you know? So there are just people like that. There are just people like that. And she was a testament and a testimony of how you can serve God. How that girl used to wake. Praise God. So there are people like that. They, they, are, they are just here. They are neither here nor there. They are just doing things. I'd be amazed. These people are always blessed. Something good is always happening in their lives. I want us to, uh, that, that's what the Bible says. If you have the gift of serving, do it passionately with the strength God gives you. So that in everything, God alone, are you seeing that? will be glorified through Jesus. For to him belong the power and the glory forever throughout all ages. Amen. Amen. That's what happens with the grace of God. So that when people watch your life, God can be glorified. Because you are showcasing a dimension of God. Now, I want us to see the manifold grace of God. Because as I'm speaking to you, God is awakening you to graces. Graces that are within you that may, you may have looked down on. Graces that are within you. I want us to look at how the grace of God, the manifold grace of God manifested in different people. Number one, Samson. Judges of number 14, verse 5. The Bible says, so Samson went down. Now you listen to me, I'll be reading, but you can write down. Because I'll need to rush from here. So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now, to his surprise, a young lion came roaring at him. Now, a young lion doesn't mean a cub. It means a fresh young lion. Not an old one, a youthful one. Now, look, look at this. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. This is, how Samson, that's, this is how the grace on Samson's life worked. The grace of God would come mightily upon him and you stop being a normal man. 
Samson would be walking like this. He's talking to his, to, his, to, his, to, his, to his girlfriend on the phone. And he's so shy. You know when people are shy, they lift microwaves. <laughs> then they bite a tropical. <laughs> then it's at that point when she says, buy him. Oh, hey! <laughs> you realize you're biting a, a tropical. I've seen memes where someone is hugging a microwave like this. And they are on the phone. You know? Samson would be with his girlfriend talking and is feeling shy. Then you go to a big tree and lift it and pull it off the branches. And <laughs> he would pull it, I mean, he would pull it, he would uproot it and be walking and said, oh, then, ah, oh, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> because he was just like that. He wouldn't even try. If, if anybody messed up with you and you are Samson's young, young brother, <laughs> all you need to do is Samson would just come. <laughs> then he would just find you as you are knocking off from the tree. I mean, from the school. Then he would just pick up the car that is there. So, I hear you've been... <laughs> He's just treating it like... A... I hear you have been mistreating my young brother. I just wanted to greet you. <laughs> then he would put down... <laughs> Or you put it down the car and say end of part one. You'll be the car in part two. You'll never do it again. That was Samson. But the spirit of the Lord would come upon him. Even you, there's a way that when the spirit comes upon you, there are things you'll be able to do. For Samson, it was strength. It was grace. Remember I told you that grace is the capacity of God which makes a man be a God among men. That means you also have that grace which you are yet to discover some of you. For some of you, you are yet to grow in it. Which when you leave, they will say, no, 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 there's a goddess among us. This one is not a normal human being. This is a God. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I receive grace. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he tore the lion apart. The writer didn't know what to say. He says, as one would have torn apart a young goat. I don't know how this adds up. <laughs> but I'm sure they mean like just slicing it. And he didn't stop. Look at the, the Bible says, though he had nothing in his hand, but he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. Because he knew they wouldn't believe him. Mom, daddy, I just tore apart a lion. Sometimes you don't. You know, there are some things that God has shown me. It's grace. There are years that God has showed me. I can't explain because you cannot, you cannot understand it. I was telling the people at baptism yesterday that there was a time when an old man was seated and a mob in the community came after him. They said, no, 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 tell us. We get it, you are 90, but some of us have been with you 30 years. You've never been sick. What is your problem? Others say, no, 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 we want to know what medicine you have drunk. We want to know. Which sangoma you've gone to? Because even the sangomas you are with have died. How come you are still alive? Well, then he sits down and says, okay, calm down. Then he starts saying, who will you believe our report? That's Isaiah. He begins explaining to whom has the arm of the Lord been shown. He begins now explaining Jesus in past tense, Isaiah 53. He says he grew up like a tender shoot among us. He says he's a man of sorrows. He, he's so despised, we've got nothing to envy upon him. Then he, said, then he says, he says we, we, he was wounded for our transgressions. That, that's 800 years before Jesus is born. The chastisement that brought us peace was laid before him. And by his stripes, he said, we are healed. So he's now giving them the secret to his health. He says, by his stripes, we are healed. 
That means Isaiah left where he was, went 800 years into the future. That's a dimension of God. That's not a normal fallen man born from Adam. That's a dimension of God. The prophetic took him to a certain place where he, imagine, he reaches there. And when he notices, he's with us today. He notices, huh? These people are experiencing healing and grace because Jesus has died. He said, I also received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Then he, go back, he goes back with him in the past. Can, can, can that man get sick? He's walking in a dimension not everyone is walking in. Then people say, oh, we don't understand what he's saying. Fine. We'll go. What do you mean he grew up like a tender shoot? By his stripes we are healed. He didn't say by his stripes we shall be healed. He participated in the dispensation. It was Peter who said, looking at the past, by his stripes we were healed because it happened after. Isaiah was supposed to say by his stripes we shall be healed. But he said, "Mm -mm, I am participating. By his stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. So a man who is graced of God, he's walking in, it's not him. The grace makes him like God. He knows things. The prophetic brings you to a place. Some of you, your wealth will reach a place where you are, you are, you are a vision of God walking on the earth. I've told you, I'm still growing. But even if I try to lack, it, it, it just can't work. The other time I was, I was telling, telling Dikones Wandi, and she was excited to tell me, you know, because she, she, has, she, she manages my accounts. She said, ah, there's nothing in your accounts? <laughs> uh, she called me again. No, Pastor, we just want to let you know. I don't know if she wanted to prove. I said, okay, wait. What I did, I took the last amount that was left. I saw the seed. I saw the seed. I saw the seed. I saw about 3,000 kwacha mark or 5,000 mark. I was just giving, giving like a madman. Because I know how to provoke the thing. I know how to sustain the flow. Ah, the money came back multiplicatively. And I was telling her, "Mm mm-hmm. Within a short period of time. So, I don't know how to lack. Not just because I'm super blessed, but I know how to provoke wealth. You find you're still growing in that grace. You keep provoking yourself into it. Hallelujah. Yeah. So that's Samson. That's how God, the grace of God walked in Samson. That Samson behaved like a God. Isn't it a God? Isn't it only a God, a God that can tear down a lion? Chapter 15, verse 1, the Bible says, Later on, you listen to me because I'm going to be very fast. Later on, during the wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat as a present to his wife. He said, I'm going into my wife's room to sleep with her, but her, but her father wouldn't let him. I truly thought you must hate her, her father explained. He was a very unscrupulous man. So I gave her in marriage to your best man, imagine. But look, her young sister is even more beautiful than she is. Marry her instead, guilt. Samson said, this time I cannot be blamed for everything I'm going to do to you Philistines. Then he went out and caught, imagine. Now, do you know what foxes are? Foxes are very, they are very active animals and they are very, they are very, how can I put it? They are very agile and jacked up. 
Now, to catch 300 of them, one man. He went and caught 300 foxes. He tied their tails together in pairs. Firstly, how did he manage to keep them in one place? That means the fear of Samson was upon them. Samson told them, you are going to sit in this place and you not come out and they never left. And he started saying, bring your tails. No, is that a normal man? I told you grace is a sponsorship of God which makes you live a physical life. You, you can't do that naturally, but there's a sponsorship. I'm not just talking about all oh, things are going fine. I'm also talking about the supernatural end of it. Hallelujah. It's not possible. And the Bible says, then he lit the torches and let the foxes. Matter of fact, he was not doing it one by one. He lights, he lights then he lets them go. He first said, first let me tell you, then he put torches. They are still waiting. <laughs> then he said, and then he said, now you can go. And they all went, yes, sir. And they were going to burn and die when they were, where they were going. Then he lit the torches and let the foxes run through the grain fields of the Philistines. He bent all their grain to the ground, including the sheaves and the uncut grain. He also destroyed their vineyards and olive groves. That's how the grace of God manifested in Samson. Now, remember I told you it's the Lord Jesus Christ who gives grace. Now, Jesus, you would say Jesus was not there at this time. Yes, Jesus was not there, but the word was there. Because in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So the word would still grant grace in different forms, in different ways. It would grant grace to different men. I don't believe at any point the Lord Jesus Christ existed in the Old Testament, but he was there as God the Word. That's why the Bible says the Word became flesh. It was the first time. I don't believe Jesus existed in any person before, but I believe he was existent as God the Word. That's why the Bible would say they would hear the voice of God walking in the garden. It's the Word of God. That's why the Bible says the Word of the Lord came to the prophet. Is he, he was God the Word, he's still God the Word, he pre-existed. That's why he said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. That means the Word spoke to Abraham, he heard the gospel, he heard, he imagined it. Because God appeared to Abraham and began to tell him, through your seed, the whole world will be blessed. It means he received the Word. And then he said, before Abraham was, was you know, John chapter number 8 verse 52 says, before is it 52? You can check. Before Abraham was, I am. Or 58. <clears throat> before Abraham was, I am. He didn't say I was there before Abraham was there. He says, I am. That is the, that, that, that is the word or name that God uses to describe himself. He said in Exodus 3, I am that I am. Jesus said, I am. Jesus is not just the son of God. He is God. He describes himself as I am that I am, not just as a son of God. He's one dimension, but he is God himself. I am. Hallelujah. That's what he said. John 8, 58. Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I said to you, before Abraham was, the correct English should have been, I was there. And they would have laughed at him because now he's dreaming things. 
But the reason why the next scripture says they picked up stones is because he said, before Abraham was, I am. That name only belongs to God. In other words, Jesus was claiming to be God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You know, Muslims believe in Jesus. You know, even Mahatma Gandhi believed in Jesus. You know, you also believe in Jesus. Except for them, they don't believe he's God. If you don't know and believe that Jesus is God, maybe you are a Muslim. Who is tolerant to Christians? <laughs> One thing that you must know is that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. I'll, next week, I'll get into those details if the Lord allows me. That's my plan, but they can just make a, a new teaching next week. I don't know. All right, now look at this man. The Bible says, goes on to tell us something about him. Uh-huh. I'm going to go to verse... Uh, mm, verse 5, verse 6. Who did this, the Philistines demanded. Samson was the reply. Because his father-in-law from Timna gave Samson's wife to be married to his best man. So the Philistines went and got the woman and her father and burnt them to death. They were wicked people. That's why God was punishing them through Samson. Because you did this, Samson vowed, I won't rest until I take my revenge on you. So he attacked the Philistines with great fury and killed many of them. Then he went to live in a cave in the rock of Etam. The Philistines retaliated by setting up camp in Judah and spreading out near the town of Lehi. The men of Judah asked the Philistines, why are you attacking us? The Philistines replied, we have come to capture Samson. We've come to pay him back for what he did to us. Now, why are you following us? Follow Samson. <laughs> Anyways, verse 11, the Bible says, look, this is interesting. 300 men of Judah went down to get Samson in the cave. They had to be a lot. <laughs> they had to be a lot. Why didn't they just go a messenger? The Bible says three pin of them went to look for Samson. That tells you the man they were going for. Oh. They said to Samson, don't you realize the Philistines rule over us? What are you doing to us? But Samson replied, I only did to them what they did to me. But the men of Judah told him, we have come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. Why don't you just tie him up? You have to explain to him, because eh. you know the kind of guy he is. You see that? Uh-huh. All right, Samson said, but I promise that you won't kill me yourselves. We will only tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. They replied, we won't kill you. So they tied him up with two new ropes. They had to make sure. <laughs> and brought him up from the rock. As Samson arrived at Lehi, the Philistines came shouting in triumph. But the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson. And he snapped the ropes on his arms as if they were bent strands of flax. And they fell from his wrists. Then he found the jawbone, any useless thing. If, if, if Samson was going to pick up a leaf, it was still going to wake. The Bible says, then he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey. He picked it up and killed 1,000 Philistines with it. They came. The Bible says Samson was just coming like this. Then the Bible says the thing stared up in him. You see, the spirit of the Lord stares up your grace. 
You each have graces, but you need the Spirit of God to stir it up. This is why we pray. This is why we fast. Because the manifestation of our grace of the Lord Jesus is dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. The Spirit of God stirred him up and he said, okay. They are tied him, remember, with new ropes. Then, you know, if we take, just imagine, it was difficult to describe. We take a rope, we tie it around you, then we bend it. How do you set free? You, say, you just do like this. Now, these were new ropes. That Samson just snapped out of his hands like they had been bent. And then as they were coming, he looked for something, anything. He picked up the jawbone of a donkey that was dead and killed 1,000 Philistines. These were soldiers. Somebody say grace. grace. Somebody say grace. grace. Let's jump. Let's go to number two, Ahithophel. I love this guy. The way that the grace of God worked in him was just amazing. 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 23. And I decree and declare that some of you are going to receive supernatural strength. Amen. That when you are attacked, if you are attacked, <laughs> you will forget you are a girl. You will beat them, you will not even understand. No, God has not given you the spirit of fear. There's, I'm talking about physical might because remember, the same spirit of God that was upon Samson now lives on the inside of you. You can reach a place where you are so strong you are serving God. That's just a dimension. A time will now come when God will tell you, let's go to town and I want you to preach and you're in Silverest. God wants you to meet someone in town. Then you're like, I don't have transport. No one is giving you. Then the spirit of God will tell you to walk. Then you just start walking like this. Before you know it, you're already in town. You are not tired. You're not tired. You feel like you've just walked take a short distance. Grace. Grace. For one, another person, Philip, the grace of God would come upon him in such a way that he would disappear and appear in another place. A time may come when we need to appear and disappear. Meanwhile, what you think is it's just for witches. Jesus walked through a wall like this. And they, he said, I am here. The spirit of the Lord can make that grace available. He can say, I want you to go to Afghanistan and preach for me. Because you don't need a visa. You don't even have a passport. But you have the grace of the Lord. Then you reach there. Some people are jailed. Boom. You start preaching to them. It's grace. I'm telling you this because I'm opening doors for the supernatural to begin happening a certain way. Remember the, the testimony that Sarah was giving? She said, she said, you appeared to me and started praying for me. We were not there. I was praying at home. I didn't know why. She said, you appeared to me. And she thought she was, she, it was happening to someone. said, hey, pastor is calling you. Then she realized we were not there. Grace. Grace is not just, oh, the morning we have, we have woken up. Wow, the grace of God. Huh? Now, that's also grace, but it's what we call common grace. Because even every murderer is experiencing the same. But for you, who is a child of God, the, the quality of the grace can increase. And I'll show you how when you begin looking at it. But let me just read you this guy. The Bible says, 2 Samuel 16, 23, Absalom followed Ahithophel's advice just as David had done. 
For every word Ahithophel spoke seemed as wise as though it had come directly from the mouth of God. This guy was so blessed with wisdom and counsel that when you sit down with him to talk to him, when you are done, you feel like you don't need to pray because you already went to heaven, talked to God, and came back. It was a dimension of the counsel of God solidified in a person. Not all power is in heaven. There are people among you, some of them are your friends. When you talk to them, you feel like you've talked to God. You feel like your life has opened. Why? Because God has invested a dimension of himself in them. It's called grace. Oh, I decree and declare someone from now on. When people talk to you, they will know they have talked to God. Because a dimension of God is invested in you. When Ahithophel was against David, it happened that when he noticed that that guy is against me, David prayed his dangerous prayer. There are people when they're against you, you know a dimension of God is against you. <laughs> so you had to say, oh Lord, please, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. <laughs> he prayed, begging God. He had to beg God because he knew, Kai, if this man is against me, I'm finished. Are you following me? Somebody say grace. Let's read the last part. This is one of my favorites. Okay? This is one of my favorites. It's the last part we are doing, then we'll close. David's mighty men. There's a way that the grace of God manifested in them. I love reading about these people because I just imagine. I mean, I wouldn't mind the Lord taking me there. Wouldn't you mind watching them? Oh, no, you would mind? Look at this. The Bible says, these are the names of David's mightiest warriors. The first was Jehoshabim, the Hakmonite, who was leader of the three. The three mightiest warriors among David's men. He once used this spear to kill 800 enemy warriors in a single battle. Not 800 weak men hooked on drugs from Chibolia. No! <laughs> He's talking about 800 warriors alone. You, you just quarreled with your girlfriend, you are drained. This man... <laughs> was able to fight 800 men and put them down. There's a way the, the grace of God was manifesting in these people. Okay, just imagine it. Is that a normal man? That's a God among men. Is that normal? That's divine sponsorship working in a man. I decree and declare some of you, it manifests now in spiritual warfare. When God shows you the demons you've put down by your prayer and fasting, you'll be shocked. Some of them have defeated powers They've defeated people back in lineages before you were born. But because you showed up, all 800 of them down. Why? Grace. There's capacity invested in you. Because you got saved. You hear that your uncle in America got saved. Why? You were in your room, in your boarding house, praying. And you broke down the power that held him on drugs. You broke down the powers that claimed your brother's importance and life. And suddenly, he's got a thirst, not for cocaine, but to come to church. What happened is in the spirit, you pulled down a power. Sometimes God shows me the things I was dealing with. And I'm just like, who? Eh? Me? <laughs> you know, one time we were praying. I was with Oliver. We were praying for a certain lady at, at, at Wem. Now, me, I just noticed, <laughs> I walked a bit away. Oh, Oliver was like, no, Dad, Usher, as a mighty man of Pastor Daniel. 
I, I think he's got, he still has a mark of ministry, Oliver. <laughs> that lady sunk her teeth in his flesh. <laughs> Sorry for making it graphic. <laughs> sunk her teeth. Now, I don't know if Oliver went in the flesh, but he was like, should I punch her? <laughs> he struggled. Meanwhile, was he struggling? <laughs> She's dancing her head <laughs> on his flesh. You know, there were a number of male hosts around. She threw them away. And everyone now just started looking. <laughs> then she walked away. She was running out. Nobody dared touch her. I took the mic. I said, I command you to come back in the name of Jesus. She stopped. And she came back for me like this. <laughs> Now you know how OM is. It's packed. Everybody's watching. She's coming like this. <laughs> you know? In that moment, <laughs> in that moment, you know, Mavis is watching me. <laughs> I'm just like, Because I'm looking at Oliver, he has been assaulted. <laughs> now, I'm not as powerful as Oliver in the flesh. Hey! Everyone is just, <laughs> everyone is just, you know, I'm in a nice suit. I preached a, an intellectual sermon. You know, everybody was blessed. You, you know when sermons, so. I was just like, here, I have to use a different dimension. When she reached there, I said, in the, I command you to kneel down. She dropped. Everyone clapped. <laughs> now you know. Oh, no, no, no. It's, a, it's the grace of the Lord. You know, it's God who, uh, who has done it. You know, uh, so doing that. no need to clap. No need. You know, this is uh, the grace of God. The grace of God. Hallelujah. My step did not change. I breathed. <laughs> In case you think my step changed. Now, the following night, the Lord showed me what spirit it was. It looked like a hydra. Now, it's like, it had like, it was huge. And it had like three heads. And every time you cut one, another one grows. That's the spirit we put down. Grace. Grace. Somebody say Grace. Grace is able to make you do things beyond your age. Somebody said, beyond my age. Beyond my age. It will manifest in physical war, spiritual warfare. Some of you, even physically, they will attack you, then you just feel like, I think I can beat these people. <laughs> what they done is the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. My friend told me a story of how one time 16 thieves, 16 thieves, I don't know if he's 14 or 16, wanted to attack and enter the house. Then he said his father is, you know, he's a believer. Then his father just stood on the door and they started doing, just fighting. And he beat all of them. Now this is a grown-up man in his mid-50s. Grace. They will take you and they say, we are going to kill you today. As they are taking you in that car, as they are taking you, in that whatever they are taking you, they will blindfold you. They say, shut up. 
Say, Barakasata, Barakashoteke Parada, Vrete Porosoto. You are not helpless. There's grace for you. Some people think grace is just, oh, grace, the grace. No, it's God's power working in your life. Somebody say the power of God is working in my life. Next in rank, among the three was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, a, a descendant of Ahoa. Once Eliezer and David stood together against the Philistines when the entire army had fled. The entire Israelite army, they did not go chilling. They were, it's not that they were not there. They fled. But two people stood and fought. Somebody say grace. grace. Somebody say grace. The Bible goes on to say, this man killed Philistines until his hand was too tired to lift his sword. In other words, he just got tired killing. <laughs> and the Lord gave him a great victory that day. The rest of the army did not return until it was time to collect plunder. They just said, oh, no, we thank God for your life. Ah, Eliezer, son of Dodo. They are picking up things. Have you ever seen people who just come when things are good? I hope you're not the one saying, yes. <laughs> they are the loudest. They just come. Hey, oh, God is doing amazing things. They don't know the warfare you did. Hallelujah. Yeah. Next in rank was Shama, the son of Agi from Hara. One time the Philistines gathered at Lehi and attacked the Israelites in a field full of lentils. The Israelite army fled. But Shammah held his ground in the middle of the field and beat back the Philistines so that the Lord brought a great victory. Once during the harvest when David was at the cave of Adullam, the Philistine army was camped in the valley of, of, of Rephaim. The three went down to meet him there. David was staying in the stronghold at the time and the Philistine detachment had occupied the time of Bethlehem. David remarked longingly to his men, oh, how I would love some of that good water from the well by the gate of Bethlehem. Where the enemies were. They were all just like, <laughs> sir, go yourself. I don't know how you can explain that one in English. Fight though. <laughs> so the three, look at this, the three broke through the Philistine lines, drew some water from the well by the gate of Bethlehem and brought it back to David. How... Someone, someone said, oh, unless it's for God, but how long are you willing to save? How long are you, how far are you willing to go to just save your pastor, for example? These people, you know, there's a gift that God gives, can give you. It's called the gift of men. God can gift men to you. I don't know whatever God wants you to do, but God can gift men to you that they will insist that you should get that job at the expense of their own employment. I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about even them corrupting, but they risk their own lives so that you can get, can you imagine? David was thirsty. It's not like David needed this money for a big project. These people believed in David so much that they risked not their finances, they risked their lives to go into the, they were just three. And they went and broke through the garrison of the Philistines and took water. Water for the king to drink. Water. There's a gift called the gift of men. God can give you people as a gift. And these people only feel like they've saved God when they save you. There are some people God will bring to you, I decree and declare, that you will be shocked at the extent they are willing to go to just so that they can make you comfortable. 
It's a gift. I decree and declare you receive it in the name of Jesus. One man knew that he's supposed to be the next king. Jonathan knew that he's supposed to be the next king. Even so, the father to Jonathan said, you are going to be the next king. But Jonathan was foolish enough to go down to David and tell him, I know you are going to be the next king of Israel. Ha! So was upset. Why are you selling your birthright? You are supposed to be king. And then, guess what? Every time that Saul would decide I'm going to kill David, it's Jonathan who would go tell him, my father wants to kill you. Me, I want you to be king. Imagine, there's something that God did to Jonathan's heart that it was given to David. God can give you, the Bible says, go unto me, it's your birthday. I can give you the nations for an inheritance. People can just want you. You know, they just want you to be the one that is going to, sub, to be successful. And they are willing to put their lives at stake. It's a gift. In ministry, God gives us gifts like that. And when you reach that place as a minister of the gospel, don't manipulate people. This is why many fall, because now they use people. And many of you, you can find your husband, God, God, called your husband to serve a man. Then you sit down and say, you don't even do anything for me. But for pastor, you're always running around. You don't know. What you're supposed to do is help him do it. If your pastor wakes up and says at night, please go and do this for me. Don't say, even him, pastor. You don't know how your husband was called. He will fail because of you. And you have to carry the burden on, his, on his, the failure. You have to account for it. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. But even you remember that God can use you so much that you won't rest until another person prospers. Your gift, your blessing is in obeying God and God knows how to bless you. You just do what God is, is asking you to do. Hallelujah. It's called grace. Somebody say I receive grace. We are almost done. The Bible also talks about Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, Zeruiah, the brother of Joab, who was a leader of the 30. He once used his spear, not a sword, a spear, to kill 300 enemy warriors in a single battle. Probably it means he would get the spear, thrust it, pick it, thrust it, pick it, 300 in a single battle. <laughs> grace. Somebody say Grace. Some of you are going to pray one prayer and it will destroy 300 problems. It's called grace. Mm. Abishai was the most famous of the 30 and was their commander, though he was not one of the three. There was also in Benaiah, also Benaiah. How would you want to have a boyfriend named Benaiah? How about... Jehoiada. How would you love to name your son Jehoiadiah? I don't know. Jehoiadiah. Baby Jehoiada. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'll be naming some of your children <laughs> out of my inspirations. 
Just know he will always want to fight. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The Bible says he did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. Another time, on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. The lion didn't chase him. He saw a lion. He said, ah, chased it. You know, there are times I wake up and I'm like, ah, I feel like dealing with witchcraft today. That's not normal. You're supposed to be afraid. But this guy is like, why are you low? I've never killed a lion. <laughs> That's how the grace of God worked on him. So when he saw a lion, he was like, ah! he, he chased the lion till he killed it dead. Hallelujah. It's called grace. You can wake up and say, today alone I'm going to set up this whole thing. How did that enter your brain? Alone. Say, Lord, someone can be sitting and say, Lord, $200,000 is not much money. Let, alone, let me buy that church. Let not even my name be mentioned. I want to buy it alone if it's possible. One can do it. And we buy this church building. And we start dancing. Thank you, Jesus. Meanwhile, one person bought it. That's my prayer. I'm saying, Lord, if it's possible, even I alone, let me do it. Someone. Someone, the thought can't enter because they say, hey, if I had 200,000, mm, what I can do? <laughs> so just, you don't have the money yet. You are broke, just at thought level. Just at thought level, there's like a struggle. Because if you are 200,000, just at thought level, you'd backslide. <laughs> If the Lord gave you exactly $200,000, what would you do? I would give my tithe. Then afterwards, I don't know what would happen. <laughs> hey, somebody say grace. grace. Let's finish reading about these guys. Once an army, once once, armed only with a club, he killed an imposing Egyptian warrior who was armed with a spear. Benaiah wrenched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with it. There are people who they can't just let one, one person be troubling believers. I remember listening to a story of, of Pastor Poe Nenche from Nigeria, and he was saying they were still building a church. You know that glory dome they built? They said they were building a church. Meanwhile, they heard that the other religion, if you hear the other religion in, 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 in Nigeria, you know what they mean. The other religion, talking about the Muslims, they wanted to buy a land or a building which belonged to other, another church they don't even know. But it was for believers. They, the Muslims went and said, we want to buy this and remove the Christians and their demand. Guess what Paul Lencher did with his team? They took their money, bought that building first, and gave it to the, to the people who are in that church. Are you listening to me? That's grace. That's money with a purpose. God can give you grace, and grace is for a purpose. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter number 2, verse 1. He mentions 
Now these were the men who came to David at Ziklag while he was still a fugitive from Saul, the son of Kish, and they were among the mighty men. Help us in the way. It's the same scripture, really, but in, the, in Chronicles. The Bible says, armed with bows, using both the right and the left. In hurling stones and shooting arrows with the bow. That means these guys were also gifted to kill using stones with their left and their right. <laughs> They just didn't know how to fight. They would pick up stones and they would aim at someone in that corner with their left hand and kill him dead. <laughs> Armed with stones. They learned how to throw stones to kill. <laughs> then they mentioned them, you know. Verse 8, some, some Gadites joined David at the stronghold in the wilderness, mighty men of valor, men trained for battle, who could handle shield and spear. Listen to this, whose faces were like the face of lions. How would you love to have a boyfriend like that? <laughs> These men were so graced that they took the shape of their grace. That's what the Bible is trying to say. When you just looked at them, they just looked like lions. When they are laughing, you crack a joke, they say, oh, oh, oh. They just look like they want to fight. You can reach a place where you take the shape of the grace. You don't have to say you look like it. You look like authority. You look like wisdom. When you are walking, you look like money. You may not even, the Bible says of David, when he went into Egypt, he went as a slave, but the Bible says he was a prosperous man. He looked like prosperity had not shown up. When we look at you, you can begin looking like your grace. You can begin, you are looking like, I see you, you look like royalty. Some of you, you look like fire. Some of you look like money. People don't know you, they just call you Taikunesma. It's because it shows, hallelujah. You look like a millionaire, billionaires. Some of you, they'll be looking at you. You're not even yet married. Madam Pundu. Grace. Grace. Somebody say grace. They looked like faces of lions and were as swift as gazelles on the mountain, meaning they were fast. Look at this. Then the, it mentions their name. Ezra the first, Obadiah. And that would you love to have a son named Obadiah. Hallelujah. Praise God. And then it mentions them. The Bible says these were the sons of God, captains of the army. The least was over a hundred, and the greatest was over a thousand. That means the least could fight a hundred, and the greatest could fight a thousand. One man! Someone say grace. grace. These were the ones who crossed the Jordan in the first month when it had overflowed. They crossed a lake, a river. When it had overflowed, it was difficult. This Jordan River, remember when the Israelites wanted to stay to, to, to cross it, they had to pray to God. Oh, Lord, help us. Then now God told Joshua, let the priests go in first. He had to give them instructions because they had to wait for a miracle to happen for them to cross. Otherwise, they were not going to cross. Meanwhile, some were so graced by God that they crossed it when it flooded. They just, they, uh, they just went. They just swam and went the other side. And the Bible goes on to say, then they went and started a fight there. You know, we were, we were, we were at... Um, we oh, had baptism yesterday, and I decided to swim. I, I swim. But I just, I thought I had reached the end. I was going underwater. I just reached in the middle. I was tired. 
When I got up, I was thinking at Africa, I found myself in the mist. <laughs> I thought I had swam to the end. I was drained. Fasting and swimming don't go together. <laughs> now, just... <laughs> I discovered that dimension yesterday. Now, just... If just in a swimming pool, guys, just a swimming pool, I would be drained. These guys, they found a river. It had flooded. <laughs> These are the ones who crossed the Jordan in the first month when it had overflowed. All its banks. And they, afterwards, they put to flight all those in the valleys to the east and to the west. Afterwards, you know how it feels after you're done swimming? You're a bit, you feel tired a bit like this. Then afterwards, they were like, <laughs> then they went and started chasing people. Grace. It makes you look like a god among men. And David went out to meet them and answered and said to them, if you have come peaceably, these are the guys David was meeting to me, to help me. My heart will be united with you. But if to betray me to the enemies, since there is no wrong in my hands, may the God of our fathers look and bring judgment. David didn't say, I'll fight you. He had to say, God. Because he looked at them and he was like, ah, these, I need to invoke God if they are against me. Okay? And the Bible goes on to say, then the spirit of the Lord came upon Amasai, chief of the captains, and said, We are yours, O David. We are on your side, son of Jesse. Peace, peace to you, and peace to your helpers, for your God helps you. The spirit of the Lord made them David's mighty men. The spirit of the Lord made them be a gift to David. Are you seeing that? That's what I'm telling you. God can make men become gifts to you. It's God. It's not even witchcraft. God can manipulate men to like you, to work for you, to fight to favor you. And I decree and declare, may that dimension of grace come upon you. May the Spirit of God begin to visit offices. May the Spirit of God begin to visit your, your relatives. That day we will love you. Your divine helpers will look for you. In the name of Jesus. This grace manifests differently. For some of you, you'll be able to understand accounts the way you never did. Yes, sir. It's grace. Because maybe God wants to take you to parliament. For some grace. of you, you will suddenly just have a certain level of understanding about relationships. Then you find you begin this program or this show that will go all over the world. Amen. I don't trust. You know how I started talking about relationships a lot? I read some guy, he wrote something about relationships. And I said, this is important. And I started writing. That's it. God never spoke to me. And before you know it, I've written about three books on relationships. And when I start talking about relationships, people want to listen. Because for some reason, they believe that I'm called to discuss that thing. Grace can make you that. Hallelujah. I want you to stand and begin decreeing, de decreeing and declaring. Begin to pray. Lord, the grace that you've called me into, I begin to walk in it. In the name of Jesus. Jesus.